Welcome to the Colon Cancer Podcast, stories of struggle, hope, and survival in the face of colorectal cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein. You're never too young, and it's not just an old man's disease, are two taglines that have been leveraged recently across the country to raise awareness for colorectal cancer. Nobody epitomizes both of these taglines more than Grace De La Rosa, a former fitness instructor, fitness model, and swimwear model. Grace lived her life healthy. She exercised, ate right, and took great care of herself. Yet despite all of this, she was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer at the age of 38. Join me for my conversation with Grace De La Rosa. So much for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Lee. Good. You know, a lot of us are on this campaign to raise awareness. And the tagline that I've seen through the Colon Cancer Alliance is, quote, it's not an old man's disease. And you certainly are not what someone would consider to be the face of a colon cancer patient. Uh, Tell me about your life leading up to your diagnosis uh, and and what you were doing and and your background. Oh, sure. Uh, My background is in um, fitness. I was a group exercise instructor for several years, and I'm also a fitness competitor. Um, I was also doing some modeling on the side, and so I had to take very good care of myself inside and out. Uh, my husband at the time was a pilot in the Navy, and we had just got tra- we had just transferred from Hawaii to Maryland at the time. I um, was trying to make our house a home and get our kids acclimated into school, and I tend to overdo it a lot at home because I I do have OCD as far as keeping things in a very organized manner. Um, And what I found was that I was extremely tired. I mean, much more so than I look, you know, and everything's hindsight. I look back on the other transfers that we've had, and I was never that exhausted to make our house a home. And so things were a little bit different. I had blood once, and it was so minute that I, and it only happened once, that I just, chalked it off to maybe um, a menstrual cycle, like just a a breakthrough menstrual cycle and just left it at that. Um, Eventually, I uh, got to the point where I couldn't finish a a 30-minute workout, much less an hour workout of cardio. So that was when I decided I'd go to my uh, primary care physician, told him I was extremely tired. I couldn't walk up a set of stairs without stopping to catch my breath. And uh, I knew I was not physically um, incapable of doing that. So I knew something was wrong. And sure enough, when my doctor really couldn't figure out what was wrong with me, he goes, you know what, let's go ahead and just get some blood work done. I just want to test out some stuff. I said, sure. And I knew something was really wrong when three hours later, I get a phone call directly from my primary care physician who um, who ordered that I pack my bag, an over an overnight bag, and travel two and a half hours north to Bethesda, Maryland at the time, and um, get some work done. Come to find out, I was uh, two pints short on blood, so they were quite um, 
uh, quite surprised that I was even able to stand up and, and walk. But that's the beginning of my journey. They did um, they did an endoscope. I remember the following morning after they took care of the uh, <laughs> the um, other issues I had because of the um, blood infusion. I had other complications due to that, and eventually found out that there was a golf ball sized tumor in on the left side of my uh, colon. So tell me about the day you got the news and your reaction. August 19th, August not August 29th, 2005 was the day I got a phone call from a doctor. Um, and she just said it like it was business. I'm sorry to inform you, but um, it is the growth is cancerous. So September 15th, I went in and got my surgery and that's when that was the day that they told me that it was stage three uh stage 3c colon cancer with um seven of 17 lymph nodes affected by the cancer i see and how old were your children at the time my daughter was 14 my little boy was three and i was 38. what was your treatment protocol the typical uh, six months of um, adjuvant chemotherapy uh, after the surgery, uh, they did a hemicolectomy on me. Mm -hmm. uh, full Fox was the regimen that they used for me back then. Right. I see. What got you through it? My love of life. There is so much more that I want to do in life. And um, that was when I realized I need to quit farting around, no pun intended. <laughs> And um, actually do what I really want to do. And that's what got me through it. And I've admired from afar through what I've seen online and social media, you've really poured your heart and soul into advocacy work. Tell me about that. I have been doing it for actually a very long time without even realizing that the, that the term advocacy fit for me. At the time, it was 10 years ago, we didn't have... Colon, uh, colon Cancer Alliance on Facebook or or anything, um, not even on um, website on the website how it's set up now where you can actually um, converse on um, on the daily chats and things of that nature. There was nothing back then. All we had were um, what were those things called, Lee? The uh, uh, what are they called? Boards. Right, message message boards or chat message boards. Board. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly all we had right back then. And right. And um, what what did I do? I would share my story that way. I also was um, every day. I would log into my online journal at the time um, and put it out there in hopes for other people that were looking for what I was looking for for myself could find some more information on it um, from firsthand experience from other survivors. That was not um, very common back back then to be able to find other people of like a similar age and similar background to talk to. And through the work that you've done, what, do you, what are you most proud of? I, as far as col uh, colon cancer advocacy, Lee? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Doing something that I thought that I could never do, which was last year when I um, decided to call my awareness 
campaign efforts be a blue buddy. And all I wanted to do was to raise a couple hundred dollars and and spread the awareness in our in our community, in my local community, which, you know, when you put anything on Facebook, it becomes international, right? Sure. Um, I wanted to raise a couple hundred bucks to give to my favorite uh, organization, um, an organization that has been there for me for many years, and and I have um, I have befriended so many people through the the organization, and instead of just raising a couple hundred bucks, I ended up raising a few thousand dollars for my first time ever, and was able to donate all of it to um, to CCA. I'm proud of that. You should be. That's fantastic because I know it's gone to good use. I'm glad. Um, you were also instrumental, if I'm correct, in getting Florida to be one of the quote-unquote blue states? Yes, sir. Last year and uh, this year as well. Tell me what the what that was like and, what, and how difficult that may have been to get that accomplished. First of all, I don't think too many people realize that it is not difficult at all to to get in contact with a legislator, a legislator in your, in your area. Um, and mainly you, uh, everything was actually outlined per perfectly on, um, fight, uh, colorectal cancers, uh, webpage for the blue star state, uh, movement. Um, they had everything set out there and it, and it was, it was easy as one, two, three, and I'm not lying. You go on the website, you find it. Uh, everything nowadays, you can just Google and, and find the information. Um, pour your heart out. And I think most importantly, be authentic in your reason for trying to get your governor to uh, proclaim um, any day to be a special day, uh, especially for March being National Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. And then you also have Friday, that first Friday of um of uh, dress in blue, which is a, a, a wonderful way to get everyone engaged. So what's next? What's what's the next mountain for you to climb? What's next on your list of things that you want to accomplish inside and outside of colon cancer, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, uh, thank you for asking that. Um, right now, I am having to live day by day, uh, moment to moment. I am only six weeks into my recovery from a small, uh, an emergency small bowel resection. And I've got six more weeks to uh, recover from that. And, and as many people that have um, dealt with uh, any kind of abdominal surgery, we all have the risk, take the risk of, of getting adhesion. So my most immediate uh, plan of the day for of the moment is to continue recovering and not only physically, but emotionally, too. This is not unlike going through uh, surgery, again, for removing the colon cancer. So this, this kind of opens up, a, um, opens up that wound again for me mm. uh, and, and reminds me again that I, I, can, I did it once before. I can do it again. And um, my not-too-distant uh, plan is to try to get my uh, real estate license, which I'm very excited about. Oh, great. And try to uh, recoup some of my independence again. <laughs> and and <laughs> where, where's home? Home is in Jacksonville, Florida. Great. And a fellow Floridian, so I'm down in Tampa. Yay. Do you, do you find, 
because I know I do personally, and, and I wonder if you and other people that listen, when you have these setbacks, there's that, I, I kind of look at it kind of like a level, frust- a level of frustration, like you think everything's behind you, and then boom, here goes another thing I've got to, got to tackle. Is that, is that something you've experienced? Yes, and I, I, and not just with colon cancer, but with every aspect of life. I mean, if you think about it, the only constant in life is change. So I, I don't look at that any differently as any, as as a special um, set of frustrations. It just is, and and because I've gone through it once before, I, I feel like this is just like what you said earlier on before we actually pressed record on our, on our pod for our podcast session here. Um, <laughs> the, the first time or the second time? <laughs> yes. But um, it's, uh, it's just a little bump in the road. We get up, we dust ourselves off, we pick up our egos and move on again um, and try to live life and do it what it is that we want to do because we don't know when that last setback will come and we may not be able to get over it. Very true. It just is what it is, right? Sure, sure. You know, I preach from the mountaintops the importance of exercise, not just as a preventative measure, but as a way to help you recover mentally and physically. Talk talk about that. Well, first of all, um, I don't know if you remember this, Lee, but but try to recall back to the day when you were uh, in your last um, recovery period at the hospital. The first thing the doctor ever asks you or <laughs> demands of you is to what? Get out of Get bed and walk around. And walk. That's right. And 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 um, that is what we need to do. Like you said, not only to recover physically, it's also to perhaps use that moment as a, a, a form of meditation, if you will, to be able to, to um, find time to really uh, dig deep inside and, and see where you want to go and see where you want to be and visualize how you want your life to be physically, mentally, emotionally. Uh, it's a great stress reliever. It's, it's a great way to put things in perspective, especially for um, the colon cancer survivors and, and, and even more importantly for the, um, su- the supporters, the caretakers. They need that break. It, it does wonders for your sanity, believe me, even if it's only 20 or 30 minutes. Um, move, move all the time, move. So, so people who might be in the midst of treatment and there may be some hesitancy as to what they can do, should they do, what, what's your message? As far as activities are concerned? Sure, after, sure. Or, or during, even dur- during treatment is, is really where I'm coming from. Because I know personally what a difference, even more so emotionally than anything else, that little bit of perspiration and movement did for me. What, what, how would you, how would you kind of frame that for, for others that are listening that, you know, may be afraid to pick themselves up off the couch and, you know, might be concerned about doing damage or whatever it may be. Talk about how you see the benefits for someone getting a little bit of exercise while they're in treatment. Mm. 
um, and, and everybody tends to everybody tends to um, react differently to chemotherapy, as we can see from all of the different posts on Facebook. And, sure, and sure. Conversations. I, I, we do need to keep that caveat out there. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So all I can do is share what helped me. Um, and, I, and I'm going to be frank here, and I don't think I've ever been this frank before with anybody, but I actually um, was one of those people that couldn't get up out of bed during treatment, not only because I was emotionally drained, but because I was physically um, physically unable to get myself out of bed because of my way of thinking. Here I am, um, supposed to be this fitness competitor, and I'm always supposed to be at my utmost peak at all times. And here I was 50 pounds later and the epitome of something that I had only heard of and had never experienced myself. Um, your, your whole, I did not like the way I looked. I didn't like the way I felt. I didn't like the isolation. Um, of not being able to live my life as socially as I did prior to, to therapy, chemotherapy. And, you know, I look back and if I have to, had to do it over again, I would have forced myself to get up off the bed. I would have forced myself, no matter how painful it was for me, because neuropathy is painful. Um, and it was cold during the time I was getting treatment. It was almost impossible for me to be outside without um, physical pain, but I would do it. I would do it. I would go back and do that and walk five minutes around the neighborhood, um, two minutes around the neighborhood. Hey, if you can't even do two minutes, try one. Listen to your body and let that be your guide, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Only do what you can do, but that's not to give you permission to wallow in self-pity day in and day out. We all have bad days. It's okay. But to sit there and allow that to eat at you is wasting time that you can have quality moments with the things that are most important to you. And with that, you know, I, I would definitely, definitely force myself to stand up for even a minute and then see how I feel from there. Well said, and and it is important to qualify that with the fact uh, when I interviewed Don Iker a, f a few episodes back, she used the analogy that cancer and cancer patients are like snowflakes, and we're all each one of us so different. So yeah, I don't I don't want to put that out that someone who literally cannot and make them feel bad, but mm -hmm. to your point, you know, if they can do one minute or two minutes. It, it's amazing the difference it does make. Oh, yeah. Or just stand up um, at the bedside, stretch. You know what I mean? Go to the bathroom. Um, that could be your daily walk as long as you do it frequently. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Just move. Just try to move. So let me ask you this. Outside of a cure, which we all hope and pray comes soon, oh. what is your dream for how the landscape looks in terms of colon cancer down the road i'd like to see more blue in the landscape how about that <laughs> <laughs> i like that i like that and and i you, we can look outside and look up at the sky in the daytime and see how blue it is out there right sure uh, 
um, but I would like to see, as as do as as do we all that are um, somehow touched by this disease, to see that it comes to the forefront just as easily as breast cancer did. Um, cancer is cancer. It doesn't matter to me where the cancer stems from, but we we have more similarities than we do differences. And so if we could just put everything under one big umbrella and and find ways to empower others with cancer, um, that would be great. And not just the cure, Lee. There's so many of us that are surviving this, so much, so many of us, that now I think we should also find ways to be able to treat survivors with long-term effects of chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery, because that change, that, you know, the surgery changes your lives. A lot of people have to have um, ostomies. Sure. Um, but if there are ways that we can gather and, and share some more uh, with other survivors about how best we can um, uh, work our new us into everyday living, that would be a great thing to see uh, come to fruition. Um, more empowerment for the survivors, I think. It certainly would. I like that. Uh, I'll, I'll stand there with you with that with that wish for the future. The last question I want to ask you, Grace, I ask everybody, and that is someone may be listening to our conversation who they themselves or someone that's near and dear to them recently got the news that they have colon cancer, what message would you share with that person? I would say share your, be open with your emotions, find ways to communicate with your loved one, whether it be your child, your spouse, your sibling, your, you know, your parents, your uncle, aunt, or a, a dear friend. And realize that that is so wasteful to keep these worries um, all bottled up inside of you. It doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help anybody around you. If you're scared, tell that person you're scared. Tell them what you want. Tell them what you need from them. Um, that works both ways, you know, the survivor to the caretaker, the caretaker to the survivor, it's, it's teamwork. And the only way that the team can work is through finding that mutual understanding of, of how, how, or what needs are most important to them that they need to meet. Um, things work, tend to work out on their own at their own time. And when, and when the timing is right, it will happen, whatever that it may be. But I say have an open communication with the one that you are. That's good advice. That's good advice. I appreciate that. Well, Grace, I appreciate you taking the time with us today. Uh, I wish you uh, quick healing and continued good health. And uh, just like a, all of my other guests, I'll just say be well. Thank you so much, Lee. I really appreciate you doing this and sharing this with, with everybody out there, the world, really. 
So thank you. You're welcome. Actually, we've been, I was looking at the statistics the other day. We've been uh, listened to in quite a few countries at this point. So pretty proud of that. So you're right across the world. <laughs> yes, across the world. Thank you so much for all you do, Lee. My pleasure. Thanks, Grace. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Notes from this episode can be found on our website at thecoloncancerpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on our website, on iTunes, or on the Stitcher app for listeners using an Android device. If you or a loved one has a question about colon cancer, please visit the Colon Cancer Alliance website at www.ccalliance.org. Again, that's www.ccalliance.org. You can also email your questions to us at info at the colon Thanks again for listening. Be well, everyone. <laughs>